life is a journey between peaks and valleys. We're always striving for that next thing, moving towards the next goal. And sometimes things just kind of shift or sometimes things come into view that you didn't realize were there before. So for example, this whole idea of the purpose behind Contenders Wanted, you know, meaningful success without sacrificing what's most important, it had always been part of me, part of my story, part of my journey. Welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I talk with Rob Cook. Rob is the host of the Contenders Wanted Podcast, which is a platform where successful people share their stories on how they were able to relentlessly pursue their dreams without sacrificing their family, faith, health, or other areas that have a high importance to them. Since Contenders Wanted is an interview-style podcast just like this one, Rob and I were able to instantly connect over experiences we've had in our journey with podcasting. We're both curious people by nature and bury ourselves in books, other podcasts, and thoroughly enjoy just having these deep conversations with other people about the journey they've had and following their passions. Our conversation ranges from what inspired Rob to start Contenders Wanted to begin with, memorable interactions he's had on his path, and overall lessons he's learned since he started podcasting. We especially connected over that point because podcasts are a lot of work. So with that in mind, just sit back, relax, and get ready for Rob Cook's journey with Contenders Wanted. All right, so welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to sit down and chat with me tonight. Of course. Happy to be here, Eric. Of course. And I just have to say first, you have an incredible radio voice. <laughs> oh, I thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I've had people tell me that in the past before I even got into podcasting. But uh, it is nice to hear it from other people who are not friends and family. Sometimes you wonder if they're just saying that to you. I turned on one of your podcasts to kind of prepare for this and everything. And as soon as you know your voice came out, I was like, wow, he's got a really good radio voice. <laughs> well, thank you. I really, really do appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to work up to that level myself. That actually <laughs> segues perfectly into my first question. So, so you are the host of the Contenders Wanted podcast. Can you start real mm -hmm. quick by giving a brief overview of the podcast and what ultimately started you down the path of Contenders Wanted in general? Yeah, not a problem. So our podcast, like you mentioned, is Contenders Wanted, and we're all about meaningful success without sacrificing what's most important in life. Uh, what I do on the show is I bring on successful individuals in their specific sphere, and we talk about how they were able to become successful in their own right, whatever that might be, right? So for some people, that's an entrepreneurial journey. Some, it's an investing journey. Some, it's starting a business. Some, it's just being a parent. Some, it's a health journey. Some, it's a faith journey. But at the end of the day, the consistent theme is that they all are striving for greatness in their lives, but they want to do it in a way that they don't get rid of those things that matter most. For me, that's my faith in my family, but everybody has their things, their reasons why they do what they do when they're starting off on their journey towards greatness, towards success, you know, however you want to describe it. Um, but I found that too often people seem to lose those things along the way. Uh, I first got actually tuned into this as I was really kind of starting to dive deep into the self-help space. For those that know me, they know that if there's one thing you know about me, I'm constantly trying to learn things and I'm kind of a goal nerd. 
I love setting goals and I love creating trackers and trying to get better and accomplish whatever it is that I've kind of set my mind to. And so as a natural extension that I read a bunch of books by different people, whether that be like uh, Tony Robbins or Brandon Bouchard or, you know, whoever, pick your guru, whatever it might be, right? But as I dove into their backgrounds, I started to notice a pattern. I noticed that a lot of these guys, they went down one of two paths. This is not always the case, but at least it wasn't a lot of them, where they had success earlier on, like they were in their 20s, and they hustled and grinded, and they became very, very successful, and then later on started talking about how, oh, yeah, you should make sure that you take care of your health. Oh, yeah, you should make sure you make time for your your family. Oh, but by the way, when I was doing, when I was building my business, I didn't have any of that balance. I was completely whack, uh, you know, for 10 years, right? Or they had a family or they had those things that were most important and they wound up losing them in the process. Um, I noticed this, like, for example, on Shark Tank, my wife and I love watching Shark Tank at night. I highly respect the sharks. They have done incredible things, but I started to look up some of their backgrounds and a couple of them, I was like, I kind of lost a little bit of respect for you just because you totally lost your original family. You just pushed them off to the side for the sake of your business. Now you've been very successful in your business and congratulations. You know, you've clearly worked hard to be able to make that possible, but at what cost? And for me personally, my family means the world to me. Uh, I grew up in a very loving family. I, I actually have 30 cousins on one side of my family. We we're a big family. We were like the big fat Greek wedding. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before. <laughs> I have. <laughs> but they're all up in each other's business all the time and they're doing stuff together. And so like for some people, they might be like, oh my gosh, I hate my family. That sounds like hell. But for me, it was like a little heaven on earth as a kid. I mean, I was close to all of my aunts and uncles. They were like mentors to me. My cousins and I were all tight. Like two of my closest friends to this day are two of my cousins. And that's just the way my family was. And my grandfather was a very successful entrepreneur. He worked hard. He created a family business. He was financially successful enough that he was able to give our family certain things that we you know, wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. It wasn't like he's making multi-generational wealth and you know just money bags all over the place. But I mean, as a kid, I thought grandpa was money bags. In hindsight, I look back and I realize he was just very financially secure because he had worked very hard as an entrepreneur and he had done very, very well. And it had always still been about the family. It was never about making the big business. It was never about having tons and tons of money. And so as a kid, that was just the world that I grew up in. And as I went out in the world and I looked around at other people, I realized, well, that's not always the case. A lot of these people lose this stuff as they're going along searching for great success. And I thought, well, I know that it doesn't have to be that way. Why does why does it feel like everyone out there who's got a loud megaphone preaching how to be successful lost these important things along the way and then finds them later or didn't have them when they were going after their dreams? Where's the playbook for those of us who have a family, who love you know our faith or who really would never want to lose the health that we have, you know, or whatever your thing is that you value, you know, you wouldn't want to lose that in the pursuit of the success that you're going after. Where's our playbook? How do we do that? How do we have that balance? How do we make time to both take care of these areas that are important to us and also at the same time, try to become our very best and have great success. And I I don't know. I just saw that gap and I thought, you know what, we can do something about this. I know that there are plenty of people out there who do this, but they're kind of those quiet success stories. Instead of being the loud voices on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or whatever it might be, whatever your social media platform is, I think they're just more quiet voices. And so I started seeking them out and 
bringing them on my show and telling their stories and in turn trying to tease out what are the things that they do that enable them to keep that balance as they're moving along and have their great success. And therefore, how can we then take those same things and apply them in our own lives so we can do the same thing, have great success without sacrificing what's most important? Yeah. Oh, man, so many good things in there. And just doing research on you beforehand and and just based off some of the things you just said there, I mean, I'm finding more and more that we have so many similarities between each other. Just digging through your website and everything, I saw that you grew up in a fairly small town. You played sports Mm -hmm. in high school, got a degree, but there was still that feeling of wanting to achieve more. So like you just mentioned, you would read books, listen to podcasts, and trying to figure out how to get there. And um, honestly, I I do the same exact thing, and I'm still trying to figure out (laughs) where I'm going. But Well, aren't we all? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's kind of the journey of life. You see one hill, you figure out how you're going to try and get there and where you want to go to, and you get there, and then all of a sudden you realize there's another hill, right? Exactly. That's kind of always, that's the way life goes. Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a very interesting journey. But what I admire about your approach is that you, you preach that you can have financial success without sacrificing other areas in life, like your family, your faith, your health, and et cetera. So what are some pieces of advice for finding that healthy balance? Well, to be honest, this is going to sound a little bit woo-woo. Most people, when you're talking about financial freedom or great success, there's, they always talk about all these tactics oh, if you invest in this asset class or if you build this type of business, you're going to have that life that you want. And I found that that's that's great. You need the tactics. You need the strategies to be able to do those things. But at the end of the day, to really be able to have success and maintain the balance that you want, you've got to have clarity first and foremost. You need to know what you're really going for, not just like, oh, I want to have lots of money. Okay, that's great, but why? Why do you want to have lots of money? Oh, well, I want to have lots of money because I want to be able to take my wife on vacation. Okay, why do you want to take your wife on vacation? Well, because I want us to have a better relationship. Why do you want to have a better relationship? You know, and just kind of go down that rabbit hole, right? I have found that those who are able to maintain the greatest balance, they have a level of clarity that most people don't have. They know what they're striving for, why they are striving for it, and roughly how they're going to get there. More often than not, people try and focus on the how when you need to understand what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it first. And I think once you have those pieces, it's so much easier because the things that don't matter or that distract you from your what and your why, you can easily get rid of. That shiny object syndrome that you hear a lot of entrepreneurs talking about or um, you know, anyone in any of our lives, let's be real, it suddenly loses its power on us as we get more clear on what is actually important to us, what is our actual priorities, and then we align our lives with those things and that enables us to then be able to have that success that we're searching for. Yeah, definitely. Backing up real quick, uh, digging through your LinkedIn, I saw that you have a pretty eclectic background of things. So are you saying I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none, Eric? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe, No. (laughs) Maybe. I'll admit I've definitely been called that before. (laughs) But what I found interesting listening to that Capital Stack with Derek Reiner podcast is that you originally went to school for dentistry, but you're now a certified public accountant. Mm -hmm. So did you ever have a significant moment that stood out to you where you said, you know, this is what I need to be doing with my life in regards to what you do with Contenders Wanted? Specifically to Contenders Wanted. You know, I can't say if there's a, I can't say there's one specific moment. For me, like, like I mentioned earlier, life is a journey between peaks and valleys, right? We, Mm -hmm. we're always striving for that next thing, moving towards the next goal. And sometimes things just kind of shift or sometimes things come into view that you didn't realize were there before. So, for example, 
this whole idea of the purpose behind Contenders Wanted, you know, meaningful success without sacrificing what's most important, it had always been part of me, part of my story, part of my journey, and a priority to me. So, like, for example, when I was in public accounting, I could never understand why there were married people who I worked with who would work 80-hour weeks and act as if, like, oh, that's totally fine. This is just what you do for your career. And in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, but what, at what cost? What are you going to lose long-term if you continue this? What is the point? Mm-hmm. Right? And, I mean, granted, I worked in public accounting for three and a half years. I know what an 80-hour week is. My wife knows what it's like to be married to a dude who's basically never home when you work an 80-plus hour week. But it was always for a purpose. And I, I always knew that I wasn't going to be there long-term. I was there long enough to do the things that I knew I needed to do to move on to the next step, the next hill, the thing I was working towards. Because I look at people like that and I think, you know, they're great people. There's nothing wrong with them. But for me, that was something I always saw was these seemingly disconnects in my mind. You say one thing, but then your actions are doing something different. Or you say you want this, but you're sacrificing those things that actually matter in life. Why are you doing that? Right? Mm -hmm. And so... Contenders Wanted was just born out of a slow recognition of something that had been there all along. I had hired a coach that kind of helped me dig through some different things. I had done a bunch of different, uh, you know, purpose and strength finder and personality tests and stuff over time that I think kind of all combined together to kind of help me have this realization that, yeah, I'm always fighting for success, but there's a certain type of success that I'm always fighting for. And I realized not everybody approaches it that way. Why don't I make a show about that? It was just slowly. There was no one moment. It was just this kind of slow revelation over time. Think of it as like the sun coming up. Little by little, I got a little bit more understanding. It wasn't like a light switch coming on for me. No, and and I identify with so much of that, honestly, because looking back to you know how I got to where I am now or some of the paths that I've taken, I would answer it the same way too. Is there's not really one specific moment that did it for me, like one defining moment. It was just kind of a snowball effect of different things. And then Mm -hmm. they kind of all add and contribute to one another and kind of, kind of all have a really interesting inner working with one another that propels me to the next point and everything. So, uh, no, I, I, yeah, identify with a lot of that. So I imagine when you're, when you either you're interviewing people or you were working as a financial advisor, things like that. Do you sit down with, with people and kind of ask them the why of, you know, what are you looking to get out of life or what are you looking to have, I guess, beyond like a eight to five job or something like that? Well, yeah, that's part of what drew me to planning. I've realized Mm -hmm. now in hindsight is that I am a planner at heart. I am one of those that when I was a kid, people would say, would ask, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And little kids would say, I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be an astronaut. And I, as a kid, even at like 10 years old, I'd be like, that's dumb. Not everybody can be an astronaut or a firefighter. You got to figure it out. <laughs> like who thinks that as a kid, right? But I would meticulously <laughs> plan my future and think, okay, uh, what I really want is I think I want this, right? And then I would work that direction. So it, planning was a natural extension of just me. And I, it just became financial planning because I had an aptitude in that area. And I I like learning about money. I think money is a fantastic tool, a tool to be used to create a life worth living, not the end all be all. And I feel like this is one thing that I've kind of come to see as I've worked more and more in my career is that people get lost in the house. They get lost in the, the investments. They get lost in the business strategies. They get lost in all the things that are important to know, but aren't the purpose for why we do what we do. And, and therefore it loses its power to be impactful and meaning and fulfilling for us in our lives. So to kind of go circle back to your question, then 
yes, this is for me one of the most important things is to actually sit down and come to know the person and find out what's actually important to them. In fact, when I meet with people, I don't even like to talk about the investments or talk about strategies or talk about even what do they have until I know what's actually important to them. What are they actually trying to accomplish? Where do they want to go? Because if they don't have clarity on those things, it really doesn't matter what I tell them. Because at the end of the day, where we're trying to go will inform how we get there. It's kind of like the Cheshire Cat from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, right? Alice comes up to the Cheshire Cat at this fork in the road and asks the Cheshire Cat, hey, what, which road should I take? And the cat asks, well, what, where do you want to go? And she goes, I don't know. And he goes, then either path will take you there, right? My mm-hmm. advice or my help means nothing unless we know where we are trying to go. So that's, it's the foundation of everything that I do. Yeah, no, I, I love that so much. And actually, when you're talking about people asking themselves, you know, what they're looking to get out of something and of in financial freedom, all I could think about is uh, so there's this board game called Cash Flow designed by Robert Kiyosaki. That board ad, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, yes, I love it. Exactly. Yep. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So you know, I've I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I've actually read several of his books, but I got that board game and I'd I'd play it all the time with my brother. And it's basically a more hardcore version of Monopoly that kind of makes you mm-hmm. think a lot more about you know financial freedom and the whole goal of the game, as I'm sure you're probably aware, is to get out of the quote unquote rat race. And you know, yep. there, you're these little mice. And and you, what I find interesting about the game is that you put. One of the ways to win the game is that you put a piece of cheese on one of your quote-unquote dreams on the fast track to where once you buy that dream, then you win the game essentially. So it's it made me think yep. of that and that, you know, it's a very long-winded way to say it. Just asking yourself what you really want out of life or what you really want from any sort of path or segue that you take and, you know, how you get there. And, I, and obviously there are infinite amount of ways to get there, but I think asking yourself why and having those, you know, looking at the big picture from the beginning and then breaking it down into smaller components is is definitely essential. Well, yeah. I think if you take the time to really actually figure out what do you want and why do you want it, suddenly all these other paths that before you thought could get you there, you realize, oh, that's not going to get me where I want to go. Okay. And then you just ignore those paths and you only focus on the ones that will actually get you there. That is one of the most powerful things I think about it is if you realize you're going down a path doing a certain strategy, a how to get to your financial freedom or to get to the light, you know, this life that you dream of and you realize, Oh crap, this path is the wrong way. Cause it's not getting me to what I actually want. Then you just wasted a heck of a lot of time. I wish that this wasn't the case, but I meet with so many people in my role as my day job as a financial planner where They have not taken the time to actually think about what do you want when you eventually stop working? I don't want, I don't even actually like calling it retirement. I like saying, you know, you're financially free. Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. How much money do you actually want to be able to, how much money do you need to cover? You know, your living expenses, if you want to get, you know, real granular here, or like, they don't even think about where do you want to be or the type of life they want to have. If you want to just keep it, you know, philosophical, they don't think about it at all. And at the end of the day, when we actually sit down and then start talking about it, they realize, oh, crap, that's pie in the sky. I'm not even close mm-hmm. because they took the wrong path to get there. So if you're a younger entrepreneur or business owner or just a professional, you know, take the time. Do the hard work to actually figure out what do you want and why do you want it? Because it will keep you from taking these paths 
where you'll never get to where you actually want to be. No, I, I agree completely. Um, I, I think soul searching is definitely essential. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I had to do that. I, I feel like it's definitely a continual process. So like I, oh, I'm course. always going to continue to learn and to, to try new things. And I, maybe I go a little too overboard with it sometimes and burn myself out. But essentially, I love learning new things, trying new things. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a big learning curve with really anything you do. And I, I, my philosophy has always been, you know, actually, you won't really know if you like or dislike something until you actually roll your sleeves up, get involved with it and actually do it. Mm-hmm. And that's always just kind of been my philosophy. And that's been the biggest teacher of all for learning, you know, hey, I like doing this or I, I don't like doing this or I really like this aspect of it. So maybe if I tweak it in this way and look for something similar in that regard, it's I feel like there's no right way to do it necessarily. You know, hey, just just keep trying to learn new things and enjoy the ride, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And being a fellow podcaster yourself with, you know, obviously a very similar show to this one. So in, I'm curious, in all of your conversations with people striving for success, are there any stories or interactions that really stand out and made an impact on you? Oh, man. There are quite a few, actually. Uh, I, I don't know about you, <laughs> Eric, but I am just kind of naturally curious. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just based on the fact that you talk about how you learn as much, I would assume that's the case. So I love learning people's stories, figuring out how did you do that? What did you do? You know, so I honestly have loved all of my podcast interviews that I've done. Um, but in terms of the most impactful, depending on what, by what you mean by most impactful, yeah, there have definitely been some. <laughs> For example, I did one a little while back with a guy by the name of Fraser Cameron. He's a, a life coach. I wound up hiring him, actually, after doing the interview because it was so <laughs> moving to me. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to think about these things more. Oh, I, who, who do I think I am? Like, I have this show, and I haven't even thought about some of those things. i got to get some help. I'm going to hire him. <laughs> and so I did. So that was obviously impactful. He sold me immediately as soon as he was on my podcast. <laughs> There's others. Just their stories inspire me in certain ways. Okay, for example, my very first episode I did with this this young kid. Kyle Marcote is his name. And Kyle was this kid who, in the middle of college, kind of had this coming to himself, realizing that, He was playing college soccer. He was at a great school. He was studying neuroscience. He was supposed to become a doctor, and he was on his way there. No problems, but just was discontent. Came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then wound up going down this rabbit hole of real estate and a host of other things. And to make his really cool story very short, he winds up going all in and just drops out of school, drops out of his collegiate soccer scholarship, faces his fear, and does it he's worth a couple million bucks nowadays and he's 25 years old right wow. but everything that he does is now faith-centered uh, all of his investments that he makes in the direction he's trying to go which is part of the reason why i had him on the show and why we connected but hearing his story of his willingness to just face his fear and sacrifice whatever was necessary to reach what he felt like was a meaningful goal Because his whole purpose behind everything that he did was to create a financial future that would give his family, his future family, and his current family more opportunities and then allow him to give back to his faith community and give back to the Lord. That was why he did everything. And so for me, it was so inspiring. And I mean, I'm almost 
a decade older than him. And I looked at this kid and I was like, holy crap, you are so much wiser than I am. <laughs> Who cares that I'm 10 years older? Um, and so he had told me that story probably four years ago when it was, he was in the midst of it. And so when I started the podcast, it, I immediately was like, I got to have Kyle on the show. Kyle will be a great, great story. Now, do I advocate dropping out of school and a bunch of other things? Not necessarily, but the purpose behind why he did what he did and his willingness to sacrifice, his willingness to face his fears. We need more people like that. And I need to be more like that. And so it, in, it inspires me. No, that's that's a very inspirational story for sure. Just thinking back to some of my previous conversation stuff too, because um, yeah, I think you definitely uh, hit the nail on the head. I remember you mentioning that you're a curious person and then I'm definitely a curious person as well. And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast and ventured everything too, because th these are the conversations that I crave with people. Usually I would get it through traveling. I travel to new places, talk with the locals mm -hmm. and just, you know, find out a little bit more about them, a little bit more about the area. And I just love doing that. But then obviously the, the pandemic happened, you know, put traveling at a standstill. I was stuck inside, mm -hmm. you know, what do I do now? And you know, that's where some of my creative outlets came back out again. I started writing again, kind of started writing about some of those experiences and then started listening to more podcasts and got me thinking like, why don't I can still have these conversations? You know, I can, I can do this remotely For and sure. I can, I can just, I'll figure it out along the way. And yeah, I feel like that really helped personally with my interpersonal communication and just kind of getting that, I guess, fulfillment in a way and, and having those conversations that I crave so much, but looking from a personal standpoint from, from my end and everything too, just anything that sparks my curiosity that maybe sheds some light on something that I just didn't really know much about before or didn't think much about. Mm -hmm. I always just love those conversations because then I walk away from them and then and I think, oh man, this is really cool. Especially, you know, obviously if, if someone's passionate enough about it to really dedicate a lot of their time to it, to try to build something meaningful and actually going full circle, speaking of legacies, one that kind of stands out to me is one of my previous episodes talking with Jared and Chelsea Church, who started a uh, church card co, which is a sports card and memorabilia. And I, I love sports, but I never really collected sports cards or anything. So I was very unfamiliar with the mm -hmm. process, but I, I crammed learning you know, as much as I could about it, about the whole process, but just, you know, little things you don't even think about, just like grading and condition of cards. And I didn't even know what a box breaking event was or anything like that for, <laughs> you know, you know, for all these different things, like all this was so new to me, but just yeah. having that conversation was just so inspiring. I mean, all of my conversations have been inspirational in their own way, but yeah, just thinking of legacy and stuff too. There are a lot of parallels with what you're saying and what they were saying too, because I know a big thing for them was creating something that they could pass down to their kids. And that was, yeah. you know, that was really cool. And I love that approach and everything they took, obviously very passionate about it. Yeah. It just made me think of that when you're explaining some of those stories. Now, what are some of the, some of your biggest lessons that you've learned in your journey with Contenders Wanted? In what ways are you saying for my own success? You're saying my, my lessons learned in around podcasting in what context are we talking here or something else even entirely different? Ooh, good question. Let's go with what uh, What about it, I guess, surprised you, I guess, in general with it? I mean, whether that just be, you know, like conversations or just w with what it takes to, to start a podcast and kind of host one and run it and figure out, I guess, direction, guests and everything like that. I guess we'll take it from a podcasting perspective of like starting it, lessons learned. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I mentioned this to you in our, our pre-recording conversation, but for listeners, I'm a CPA and a CFP. I am a numbers guy. I am not a creative kind of guy, and I'm a, not a production type of person. 
I had no clue the amount of work it takes to actually produce a podcast. I had been listening to podcasts since at least 2010, maybe even earlier. Um, and so I've consumed them for a decade plus at this point and love them, but had never considered how much work it takes to actually book guests. Find, well, find guests first, mm -hmm. then book them, get to know them, do the research necessary for the podcast. Like I was telling you before, I do at least 10 hours of research before every single podcast episode at a minimum. And then there's the entire production process and then there's the promotion process. And then, you know, you want to still maintain relationships to some extent with the people that are on your shows. You know, you don't want it to just be kind of a one hit wonder, one and done type of thing. Mm -hmm. So all of those things take time. And as a dad with young, a young family and a, and a wonderful wife who I love and, uh, you know, I commit time to my church and I've got a full-time job during the day. And sometimes you need to be able to also take care of yourself you know, and get a normal <laughs> amount of sleep. I, I had no clue when I was first starting out. I, it was a bit more of a ready fire aim type of situation instead of ready aim fire. And so I just, <laughs> I, I remember I, I jumped into it and was just like, yeah, what the heck? I'm going to put out an episode every single week for the first 10 weeks to kind of get some good momentum. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go, I've got, you know, three episodes. I'll be totally fine when I first started. <laughs> and holy crap, I barely survived that first 10 weeks. And then I was in a, I was in like a podcaster group. There were a bunch of people who were all kind of launching their podcasts about the same time. And one day everyone starts kind of comparing. So how many episodes do you already have pre-recorded? or how, um, how many episodes did you do before you started? Or what course did you use to teach you how to podcast or, you know, various questions like this. And I remember I was just sitting there reading all these different comments people were putting. And I was like, I have literally nothing to contribute. I had three podcast episodes and I started, there was one of the people on that. They had 60 episodes already recorded before he even hit launch. Really? He was releasing one a day for the first two months. And then was going to release one, you know, every single week from that point forward. And I was like, holy crap. You literally have 20 times the podcast episodes when you started compared to me. And then other people were like, oh, yeah, I'm six, eight months ahead, nine months ahead on my podcast episodes. And I'm like, I'm just looking for one for next week. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm using these VAs and I've got all this flashy software for promoting it all over my six different social media platforms. And I'm like, I'm on only LinkedIn. <laughs> and I do it all myself. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and so it was it was both really good because it, what it did is it made me realize how much better I could do as a podcaster and gave me the, the vision to be able to improve a bit. But at the same time, it was quite humbling. I will admit, it was very humbling. If I wasn't as much of a fighter as I am, I may have just like thrown in the towel and said, uh-oh, I can't do this. Because, oh man, I came into podcasting thinking it was one thing and I love it. I still love it. And I still love recording the episodes and doing the research. And I even kind of love the production even a little bit. But I have gotten a heck of a lot better in the one year. I have come a long, long ways. I have many pieces of software and systems and processes that I use now to make my life easier. And now I am booked six months out in advance and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, no, I, I did not appreciate the amount of work it takes to produce anything of, that's decent quality. Let, let alone just a simple podcast. It's given me appreciation for both, you know, audio producers and to just create a CD. Like as a kid, when we would have CDs, it was, you, know, you just went to the store and you just bought a CD. You know, I thought, oh yeah, of course they just recorded something and they popped it, they burned it on the CD and then sold them. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was so naive as a kid, but it, it gives me so much more respect for anyone who produces anything 
in, in any sort of media production, um, just the, the amount of work that they go through. It's, it's, it's incredible. No, I, I agree completely. I mean, it's, I'm still learning so many things. I'm still obviously very new to the game as well. And yeah, geez, uh, so many eye-opening things just even in that conversation. I can't even wrap my head around having 60 episodes pre-recorded oh before launch. I could That's... not believe it when he said that. <laughs> I was like, you have how many? How did you even get people to want to interview with you before then? You haven't even gone live. You can't even tell them, oh, I've got 10,000 downloads. I've got, you know, right. 350, 500 people that listen to me per episode. Like, you you had zero. Why would they even talk to you? Yeah, I just... I know. That's a, that's impressive in its own way. I, I remember I felt bad going up to the three people, Kyle, Fred Penny, and Nate Evans, my first three episodes, before I had nothing. I was just like, hey, would you guys be willing? I kind of want to do this project. And they were all like, yeah, of course. And I felt bad then. I can't even imagine approaching... 57 other people and asking them the same thing i wouldn't even have had 57 people to interview honestly at that point no i i know exactly what you mean i mean i think i had three episodes in the bank or so before i launched the first one i'm gonna say okay i feel comfortable with this and at first i was gonna go weekly as well and then the mm -hmm. i films for the void the other podcast kind of kind of fell in my lap i was talking to my friend landon we were collaborating with ideas it's like yeah i'd, I'd like mm -hmm. to co-host on this that sounds good and it's like, you know, maybe I should scale it back and then we can both be on a biweekly schedule. I think that'll be a lot better for my sanity and things like that. And I scaled mm -hmm. it back to, to biweekly for Juxtapose Journeys, which I'm I'm really glad I did and didn't just go out of the gate with weekly because um and every time I've talked to somebody who had a podcast or has a podcast, as soon as I say bi weekly, they're like, Oh, good choice. Like, yeah, stick yeah. with bi weekly. Yep. It's like <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I'd it's it sneaks up on you for sure, especially with trying to get ahead on episodes yeah. and guests and doing everything yourself. Really, exactly what you just said. I handed off my my editing duties to RB. So shout out to RB. Thank you for everything that you do. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a lot. So yeah, to your point, I, th I think it is just very eye opening in a way to really see what all goes into it. And actually makes me think back to another story uh, back in my my days of interviewing bands and things like that. Like I interviewed Joey Sturgis one time who has a recording studio and he had a band in there. That band that Joey had in his studio was Conquer Divide, in case you were curious. I did an interview with both Joey and Conquer Divide's clean vocalist Kia Castillo back in 2014 about the work they were doing on the band's debut self-titled album. So if you're curious to hear the finished product of what they were working on, give that album a spin. And talking with him and getting to pick his brain about the recording process in a studio. And I, I really grew to, to appreciate the process so much more after that. Not that I didn't before, but just the sheer mm -hmm. amount of work and attention to detail that goes into it. I mean, it was absolutely mind-blowing. So, yeah, I've, I, I feel like my appreciation has only grown after that experience and then also after just doing it myself and realizing everything that goes into it. So. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm glad you confirmed that uh, podcasts are a lot of work, and I'm not just crazy. <laughs> no, you're definitely not. That's for sure. And for listeners, if you do want to do this, make sure you know what you're doing. <laughs> Talk exactly. to people like us. We'll help you figure it out. <laughs> and listeners, please support us. We put a lot of work into these shows. <laughs> really, it's true. <laughs> oh no, so true. Actually, speaking of your your podcast, I noticed that you released a bonus episode of Contenders Wanted back in January, where you uh -huh. kind of give listeners a little more insight into your background. So, out of curiosity, do you plan on releasing more of those in the future? You know, I probably will if there is demand. At this point, I'm just 
trying to give as much as I can and not make it the Rob show. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I released that was just because I had been interviewed on another show and I thought that the particular topic we had talked about would be applicable to anyone who's listening to Contenders Wanted. Mm -hmm. Because generally speaking, people who are listening to my show are those who um, are kind of striving for something maybe a little different. Maybe they want to make a career change. Maybe they want to start a business. Maybe they want to, you know, make some sort of a jump in their life. And so... I shared that piece because I was telling the story of how I made a particular jump in my life and then just said, hey, if you want to hear more of it, go and check it out, this other episode that I did with this guy. Um, So that's really the only reason why I released that. I honestly otherwise wouldn't have. (laughs) Okay. No, and I thought it was honestly really insightful and everything too. And it helped me out with my research as well, just getting to to know a little bit more about you and stuff. So uh, from a selfish standpoint, I appreciated it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> Is there anything I forgot to ask about you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins? So anything exciting on the horizon for you? You know, season two of Contenders Wanted, I am really, really excited about. Um, I have some incredible guests. Uh, just, just to give you an idea, the, the lineup for the we released the first episode just two weeks ago for season two of Contenders Wanted. Um, and I interviewed Dave Woodward, who's the CEO of ClickFunnels, one of the largest online website building and funnel building platforms in the world. Russell Brunson, the founder of ClickFunnels, a lot of people might know if you're in the online marketing space, but Dave is his CEO. We had this incredible conversation around some of his early entrepreneurial failures and the impact that that had on his well-being and how he ultimately has used lessons from that to impact uh, what he does now at ClickFunnels and how he's raising his own kids and and leaving a legacy for entrepreneurs and his family. Um, and that's just our first episode. It was it, it's going to be an awesome season. I'm really excited about it because we got everything from we got a young couple who have six kids ages four and under. Yeah, you heard that right, Ooh. four and under. <laughs> I got a, a professor of ethics who did ethical training for special operations soldiers. Like, how do you teach? talk about ethics on the battlefield and like how can we apply that to success in our own lives Uh, i got a professional a guy who played both professional football and professional rugby and we talk about like what is the mindset and the similarities of those who compete at the highest levels in both sports and how do you have those kind of almost killer instincts sometimes and not bring them home we talk about all sorts of really cool things so i'm just i'm pumped for season two like I mentioned, I'm, I've already got the first six months of episodes recorded, and there's just so much good stuff. So for me, that's the most exciting thing going on is getting the second ep- season out there and uh, really trying to help some people and uh, share some incredible stories in the process. Yeah, no, that that all sounds exciting. I'm definitely excited to check out more season two and everything. I actually just listened to the uh, the latest episode. Yeah, I, I still have quite a bit to go to work through your episodes, but I've been enjoying everything I've heard so far, for sure. I mean, Well, thank you. Thanks really, for listening. I, I love these conversations. I crave them, so naturally I can't get enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, perfect. Now, where can people find more information about Contenders Wanted and anything else you want to plug? Yeah, so Contenders Wanted can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can do so either through LinkedIn. I pretty much only exclusively use LinkedIn. and Or you can email me directly at rob at contenderswanted.com. Perfect. Once again, yeah, thank you so much for I, you, re, you know reaching out to me on Podmatch and everything to, to get the ball rolling for this and get this interview going. I've 
you know, love looking into your backstory and learning more about you, doing all the research. I mean, like you, I, I love that aspect of it, doing the research, having the conversations, even putting it all together is, is weirdly satisfying in a way, as annoying as and as repetitive as it can be. <laughs> no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And, I, and once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this and looking forward to everything you have prepared for season two of Contenders Wanted. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Eric. All right. Well, take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. A link to the Contenders Wanted website, along with other resources, can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. Or you can find Juxtaposed Journeys on Podmatch and request an interview that way, which quite a few people have been taking advantage of. Episode slots have been booked for the remainder of 2021, so definitely don't wait to add your name to the list. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner, and music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Editing for this episode was done by R.B. Rowe. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.